that was Miriam Makeba and that one titled Amapondo taking us to exactly nine minutes after 4 a.m. It is the second hour of the show. Welcome to it. If you've just joined us, this is Sound Awake, exclusive to 104 to 107 SAFM. The name is Shayla and I'm standing in for Asanda Beta. Now, as promised, we're going to be dipping straight into trending topics with the likes of Atlehang Molefe. Good morning, Atlehang. Good morning. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing this morning? Um, good, thanks. Lovely. So let's step into uh, the hashtag. We'll start off with uh, the Boiti and Bougie saga. Now, what led to the altercation between Boiti and Bougie? Um, so she didn't quite disclose what happened, but she just mentioned how they were at a hotel and the altercation happened. And she um, was violated because even at first, she didn't want to disclose the name of the perpetrator. Um, she was trying to protect herself and she was mentioning how um, it's said that she's also a victim of such an in- in- incident. But she doesn't really want to talk about it at the moment. And that's when she released a statement about it. Um, however, the altercation did leave a cut in her face or somewhere, but um, she was also just talking about how she has opened the case against this particular person and the person appeared um, in the magistrate court, I think, last week Friday. Mm. That's true. And this is not the first time uh, Bougie has been linked to an assault with an intention to do grievous harm or grievous bodily harm. What happened in 2017 with his neighbors? Um, So it seems to also be a pattern. And this is what happens when someone isn't really held to account for the things that they do. Um, So it's almost like when a man is just exercising their power because they know that a woman is firstly maybe doesn't even have um, the have it in them to actually fight back or have it in them to um, try to you know cause any bodily harm whatsoever. So I think for him now it's just a matter of of the fact that because the justice system doesn't really address such incidences and the justice system doesn't really hold him to account for those things that he has done. I think now it seems to be a pattern that he has normalized that it's okay for him to do it because nothing much is going to happen anyway. Sure. Um, And I know that he was uh, denied bail um, and this happened on Friday. Now, uh, what what is the, the rest of the story? What's the way forward? When does he appear before the court? Um, I think when they mentioned the last time when he appeared on Friday, um, so I think in the recent ones, they haven't really, because also um, we need to, it's just understanding that when it comes to the justice system, it usually takes very long for them to even hold such people to account for such people to appear in the court of law the next time. Um, but I think that when when Boiti also um, wrote a statement asking the public to give her a bit of grace and time to deal with what is currently happening and the fact that she's, I don't think she's ready to really get deep into the details of what really, really happened and what the story is. So I think now we can just hope and anticipate that eventually the person does appear in the court of law and this time around the person is really prosecuted for what they've done. Sure. 
I hear you on that one. Um, let's move on to the next hashtag, which is UDM and IFP. Now, the parties unveil manifestos ahead of the local government elections 2021. Um, I think the first question is, which municipalities does the UDM want to contend in this election? Um, so the UDM basically wants to um, retain their own municipality. So it's usually because of, you know, Bantu Holomisa, someone who does really, uh, is a proponent of, um, you know, the east, kind of the Eastern Cape province, the KZN, and because it's not really a huge party, but I think in his manifesto at the moment, he speaks about depoliticization, the fact that he wants us not to see political personnel as the same as you know, public policies is more into making sure that we change policies as opposed to um, now supporting political personnel. So I think the manifesto itself, it's just trying to attract a lot of people who want to see change, but mostly people mm. who don't have access or who don't get really that sort of attention from the municipality. So hopefully um, his manifesto is able to speak to those particular people because we know that as a small party as it is, it usually attracts a lot of, um, it attracts not so much, but it attracts people within, you know, rural areas. It's not like a party that can attract people within, you know, the city center and things like that. So hopefully in his manifesto, he's able to, um, you know, attract those particular people. And especially um, now, even when if it does happen that he holds office in those municipalities, we also do anticipate that he can make a couple of changes just to make sure that people's lives are changed. Uh, you mentioned something really important there and uh, kind of like the focus of the manifesto. Um, I, I just want you to highlight for me uh, what the focus areas were in the manifesto. Um, so I think the first one, the focused area was on policies. I think he largely speak about how you know, basic necessities are important and um, as a government ensuring that you have policies that directly speak to the members of the public. Um, so now when he's talking about depoliticization, it's just basically how he doesn't want us to make it as something that's quite political and how we need to move away from those political personnel, but mostly just move into policies and making sure that the person that is in position of power is able to deliver to those um, met the mandate that they have and also to the needs of the citizens. So I think the manifesto is largely around that, around serving the people and better creation of policies more than it is about uh, politicizing everything, basically. Yes. And lastly, do you think the, uh, the party has enough uh, staying power to expand their influence beyond the Eastern Cape? Um, I, I really don't think they do. Um, I, I just really think that even now when people have conversations, it's conversations about wanting to give it a try because of the face of the party, Wandu Holomisa, but I don't really think that um, there is capacity for the party to be able to attract people outside of um, those provinces. Sure. Um, I hear you on that one. Um, and then let's look at this this hashtag, Cape Independence. Now, eight political parties throwing their weight behind movement. Now, what is the Cape Independence Advocacy Group? Um, I think the Cape Independence Advocacy Group has been 
in existence for quite some time. They're basically advocating for, um, you know, the kids to have their own independence, basically to own their own constitution and to not also form part of, um, you know, South Africa, but to be like a very independent state. And I think even in conversations that we've had, it literally doesn't make sense for us to um, now want Cape to distinguish itself, to be to to remove itself from um, the South African ban, and now have to have their own constitution and now have to have their own policies. And I think even currently, when we think about it, it it really is a very unique province uh, because at the moment it, things are just quite different from the rest of 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 like the South African. Um, um, nation, but it also doesn't justify or say that they need to be allowed to now create their own independence. So the K party is basically just about that, about advocating for that, and um, then we, I think that now they just want more of everything to be for themselves. They want to govern themselves, basically. They don't want to be governed by um, the South African presidents, just so to say. Mm, that's interesting. Now, what was the intention by sending through uh, the formal mem- uh, referendum request? Um, it's just a formality. Um, sending that request is just part of formality and making sure that they state everything that they want and with the anticipation that those demands will be met. Um, so now we just have to wait and see because it's it's quite debatable at the moment. Uh, not everyone is happy about it and everyone is still contesting it and everyone is just trying to understand what could be the reason behind um, an advocacy group deciding that they want that sort of independence. Sure. And does this request have any uh, legitimacy? I think legitimacy, especially when it comes to you know political legitimacy of wanting to gain independence, it's it's dependent on um, different um, things. It's dependent on whether uh, people approve of you, whether you have that sufficient population for you to even say that you want to be an independent state. But also, I think that legitimacy um, also comes from whether or not, like, is it ratified? Is it something that, like, people really, really want? And it's something that, that is acceptable by, like, the South African government. Can we say that the South African government should give them that sort of authority. And I also think that that sort of legitimacy also comes from the public. If the public is, gives permission or if the public allows to be governed by that, the party itself or to to separate from um, the, the state, um, then I think that that's, those are the basis to which anyone, even a country, can, 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 get that politi- can get that legitimacy in any way. So I think at the moment there isn't any sort of legitimacy because it's literally just like a party that wants that and just a minority that also supports it. But it's not like something that we can say that everyone wants it to happen and it's going to happen now. Mm. And can you list these eight political parties that have joined their cause? Um, so I think at the moment, because I didn't really quite check it, but I just saw that the DA is trying to engage that as well. Um, and I think mm-hmm. more than anything, that's the closest party, like not really agreeing with them. That's the closest party because it now seems like they're in contention because the DA has more majority votes in the Cape at the moment. So I think that now it really does become a bit more a, a very political space but i haven't really followed in terms of like 
which parties have followed alliances and which parties do really support um, the advancement of the Cape Party. Yes, and out of the eight, which uh, party has been the most vocal on this referendum? In terms of supporting them? Yes. Um, I think usually for me, because now when I was thinking about it, it's usually like parties that don't necessarily get along with the DA or parties that want to don't want them to really you know see them progress so i think even when i can be as specific which is something i think at the moment i can't but i i feel like it's just a matter of parties just playing along and playing the game and trying to support the advancement of one party over the one that they don't entirely like or that they don't entirely want to see in power hmm um, and do you believe that the former minister, Tito Mboweni, is right when it comes to nipping this request in the bud sooner rather than later? Um, definitely is, because if we don't nip it in the bud at the moment, and because we've seen in so many instances that people in the Cape actually, even when they, we can say that they form minority, but it's also like a group of people that are completely... Um, against so many things that are happening in the country, you know, anti-vaxxers, anti-mask. Those are the things that we've seen within um, that particular group. So if we don't nip it in the butt now, then it's going to entirely affect the nation because now it means that we have allowed a minority to, to rule or decide what they want and now we're giving them the platform or the opportunity to do as they please. Sure. And for the very last hashtag this morning, hashtag UK red list. Now, we know that South Africa was on the red list in terms of travels, but there has been new developments. What has led to this new development? I think, firstly, like the vaccine rollout, definitely the fact that the number of people who are vaccinating at the moment have, you know, uh, it's just going up and people are actively trying. Um, but I also think that, secondly, we've also, as a country, we've always had, like, good ties with many, many, many countries. Um, so I think that even the fact that maybe our cases have now gotten better and things are slightly, slightly getting better, then I think that that's also the reason why. But lastly, I know with countries, when they have a lot to benefit from another country, they usually give them grace to 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 you know to be able to allow its own citizens to travel to and from um the UK so it's i think it's on those three bases that we have been removed from the red list and that we're free to travel to the UK whenever we have to or when we want to Mm, you spoke about benefits. Um, how has South Africa benefited from this ban, the South African economy, rather? How has it benefited from this ban? I think um, the South Africa has... Are you asking me how has South Africa benefited from the ban or the UK? Rather, South Africa. Has benefited from the ban, like not being allowed, people not being allowed to travel to the UK. So the new development is that they are allowed. Um, how will mm-hmm. how will the South African economy benefit from this removal? Okay, so I think firstly, just in terms of um, you know tourism and the industry itself, the fact that now there's people, there's free flowing, people can travel around, then it means that we can definitely benefit from that 
particular industry, but more so, I think, even with regards to strengthening ties and trade itself, then that can also benefit us a lot because we know that even with like the engagement between the two countries and the engagement between South Africa and any other European countries is usually also from a very, uh, you know, beneficial instances. And hence I said that, like, the reason why even we are removed, it's it's just above the politics of um, um, the, the pandemic. It is that, but also at the same time, the UK probably has a lot to gain from maintaining those interactions with South Africa more than they they get to lose when they actually don't allow us to travel to the UK and back. Oh, that's lovely. What are some of these benefits that the UK would be, you know, getting from the, that kind of transaction where South Africans are allowed to travel to the UK and vice versa? Um, I think for them, uh, more so, it's, it's about strengthening ties because even when we say that they have a lot to gain in terms of trade, it's because we know that usually um, it's not it's not on the same pedestal, especially in the developing countries. So for them, it's more of you know having a lot to gain and being able to um, have their own conditions to say that we've allowed this, we've allowed that, and therefore. That means that even in terms of trade, you guys need to give us one, two, three. Um, so I think even to them, um, in terms of like the benefits that they get, it's also just people traveling to their country and getting to experience the country. And because I think mostly also what was difficult was the was was also like the immigration laws. Like um, during the pandemic, they change at any time. So it means one moment you can think that you're allowed to travel there, and the next moment you're not. And one moment you have to do this and you have to vaccinate before, you have to you, you get the nose swab before you leave. So I think now it's just a matter of then allowing people to just travel to their own country, which is beneficial to them when South Africans do travel because it's basically like maybe if it's for any other purposes, it's more money for them, but also the fact that they can be able to to allow people to travel into their own country, it's money. With that being said, uh, thank you so much for your time, Atlahang, and just for keeping us abreast with what has been going on on the social media end. Thank you. Thank you so much for the interview.